How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagaki. We got to get the ball to the middle of the floor to Nasir Brooks. Lots of pressure from Louisville. Now Alani throws a baseball pass in front to Wong. Wong drives in, puts it up, and scores! A heroic basket by Wong on a driving layup with 2.32 to go. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hurricane Hotline. See what I did there? I thought we'd start off on a happy note on this uh, inauguration day. Welcome to the Hurricane Hotline. Joe Zagaki, we will be joined by University of Miami basketball coach Jim Laranega. Also coming up on the show, my football broadcast partner, Don Bailey Jr. In the 7 o'clock hour, Gary Parrish, CBS columnist and college basketball analyst, will join us to talk college basketball and also the Coaching for Literacy program. University of Miami cornerbacks coach Demarcus Van Dyke will be with us, and we will wrap the show up with a replay from the Joe Rose Show with his conversation with University of Miami football coach Manny Diaz. But first, let's talk with University of Miami basketball coach Jim Laranega. Tough one last night on the road against Syracuse. Coach O, good evening. How are you? Hello, Joe. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Yes, sir. Okay. You know, we got back about 3 o'clock in the morning last night. Pretty exhausting trip. Just struggling uh, to make uh, three-point shots. With my coaches and I met today looking at that, and Joe, you, you can't believe the difference of our field goal percentage from three versus man-to-man compared to our three-point field goal percentage offense versus zone. We just find the open man and make the open shot so much better against man than we have so far this season. Now, some of it, I thought, Joe, was because of not having Chris Likes and Cam Augusti, and I still believe that's true. And we still don't have Chris back, but Cam came back last night. He made a three, and hopefully that's a sign of things to come. What is the disparity? How bad is it, or how different is it? Well, my video, my video coordinator is Jeff Dyer. And, and Jeff puts all these statistical things together for me. And um, versus, versus the, the man-to-man, uh, I want to look at it exactly. 
we're shooting uh, 52% from two against man-to-man. And we're shooting 32% uh, against man-to-man from three. But against zone, we're still shooting 52% from two, but we're down just above 20% from three. So about a 10% difference, whether we shoot against the zone or shoot against man-to-man from the three-point range. And, of course, that's a, a huge difference. Um, we, we found a, a little bit uh, of a, a new offense last night. We, we normally use it against a 1-3-1 zone. Uh, but last night we used it against a 2-3, and it was the only offense that we were able to score more than one point per possession. So we'll have to work on that a little bit more. And I think the other thing, Joe, is we've had so many injuries that we, we've, we haven't had guys practice uh, against the zone. Like Earl Timberlake has not faced zone hardly at all. And uh, Cam McGusty hasn't either. So those were two key players last night. You mentioned uh, Cam McGusty. He did play 20 minutes. I thought in the second half he did show some signs. Were you encouraged with the way he played? He scored nine points, but he became more aggressive as the game went on. Well, actually, Cam came into the coach's locker room uh, or the coach's meeting room at halftime and, and said, Coach, why don't we try 41 high? 41 high is our zone offense against 1-3-1. And it works very, very well against the 1-3-1. We've rarely used it against the 2-3. So we used it in the second half, and Cam, of course, was very, very comfortable. Uh, he felt like he could be more aggressive, and he was, and he ended up scoring nine points. But listen to this, Joe. Isaiah Wong had zero at half nine. We switched to 41 high. He scored 16 second-half points. So maybe we found the answer to our zone attack. You know, uh, you got off to a good start, moving the ball side to side. It was 11-2. to Dolezal got two fouls, and I thought, oh, look at this. Now we're going to get into the bench. And this kid Edwards, I thought, for Syracuse, did a really good job for them, kind of a unsung hero along with Richmond. I know they're, they were led by Gerard and Beheim, and Gerard's the guy that got him going. But Edwards kind of plugged things up for them defensively. He really did. Uh, he, he played an outstanding game. He's very big, bigger and thicker than Dolajai. Not quite as skilled offensively, but really the key the keys to the game were – we, we turn the ball over way, way too much. Yeah. You, you can't turn the ball over against a highly skilled team like that that can score so quickly after your turnover. And, and when, when uh, the game began, we weren't turning the ball over. We were finding the open man. We lead 11-2, to two and we made substitutions, and it, and it ended up, Really, we, we lost uh, the ball a ton of times. We ended up with 17 turnovers against the zone. That should never happen. 
But when you're not shooting the ball well from three and you're trying to get in the paint, now we had a lot of passes that were stolen or dribble drives that were deflected and stolen. It's funny how the game goes, how a game can take twists and turns. Gerard came in in a little bit of a shooting slump, and then he got his pull-up game going, then his three-point game going, and that kind of lit the fuse for Bayheim as well. Yeah. Uh, statistics tell only part of the story, but Bayheim went 9 for 16, and Gerard went 8 for 15, and combined for 9 for 17 from three. So when, when Syracuse shoots 10 for 25 from three as a team, 40%, and we go four for 25, right there, right. there there's a 18-point uh, difference just from the three-point line. And then uh, we're normally very good at getting fouled. We made nine for 13, and they made nine for 11. We, because we don't make a lot of threes, we have to we have to get to the foul line and score around 20 free throws, 18 to 20 free throws this year to be successful. Do you have uh, any updates or any encouraging news with Chris Likes? Uh, no. No. <laughs> I hate to say it. Actually, when I get off of this radio interview, Joe, I'll be calling Chris. I spoke to him this morning. He was going in for treatments, and uh, I got a, uh, a text from him afterwards that his treatments went very well. And I talked to Julia, who is our physical therapist who's working with Chris, and she told me something that is just mind-boggling. He still has pain. He can't even walk without pain. So we might describe this as a sprained ankle, but I, I think it's so much more than that. Uh, you remember when my assistant coach, Jamal Brunt, was on, on the staff? Sure, absolutely, yes. One day after practice, he decided to play some pickup ball, ball with the managers. You know, he was trying to stay in shape a little bit. And he sprained his ankle. Three months later, he was still dealing with it. I said to him, Jamal, what, what the heck happened to you? He said, not only did I sprain my ankle, but I bruised a bone, and it's taking so long for that bruise to heal. So maybe Chris falls into that same category, but it's just taken an, an awfully long time, and we've got to be very, very patient. Yeah, You can't play with pain, not in your ankle, because yeah. you run and jump on every play. Well, ankles certainly are tricky injuries. Um, if we go back to Saturday night, you had a heck of a game against Louisville, uh, kind of reminiscent of the way you played against Purdue, and Isaiah Wong played an incredible game, got 30 points, had five assists, five rebounds. He did something that no University of Miami player has done in 25 years. Uh, how about his development, uh, the way he's taking over a scoring role, but also, I don't know if he watches uh, Steph Curry or what, but that little... Uh, dribble between the legs, crossover, step back, sure has turned out to be a nice move for him. Yeah, and we've given him the ball more and more because without Chris and Cam, we needed somebody to produce a bunch of points. And the other guys on our team, you know, like Harlan Beverly is much better when he's distributing the ball 
defending and rebounding. Um, but Isaiah is actually now playing better as a point guard where he can really use the ball screen regularly. Even last night in the second half, he started using the ball screens to get inside the zone and hit some pull-up jump shots. He got fouled a couple of times, made some free throws. And, uh, you know, he, he ended the game 5-16, to 16, which is obviously not great, and only 3-12. for 12. But he had no points in the first half. Mm-hmm. So all of that scoring, his five field goals, all came in the second half. Three threes came in the second half. And three free throws came in the second half. So he ended up with, with 16 points, but all in the last 20 minutes. So we got to figure out how to get him going early. He didn't even take a shot in, in the first eight minutes. He didn't take a shot until the, the second TV timeout was over. So we got to get him going early come Sunday against Notre Dame. I would imagine that he has moved to the very top of the opponent's scouting report, and part of that's probably to take away him driving, right? Because when he drives, I like to call it a straight-line drive, but he dips and curls and spins. He gets, he finds a lot of different avenues to get to the rim, but you have to imagine he's number one on the opponent's scouting report now. Oh, for sure. You know, everybody in the league now knows who Isaiah Wong is. Last year, November, December, January, no one was paying attention to him. He was coming in off the bench, you know, having a game or two that Larry looked good. Everything changed in February. He started scoring at a very high rate. He moved into the starting lineup, showed what he could do as a starter, continued that progression into this season. Now he's, he's uh, uh, one of the, the leading scorers uh, in the ACC. You know, what's funny, I think, is uh, that last year you told the story that when you had a discussion with him at the beginning of last season, his goal was perhaps to be a one-and-done player. He was having trouble getting into the lineup. And now he's into the lineup and has turned out to be one of the best players inside the ACC. Well, if Isaiah were to continue on the pace he's at now, He's averaging 17.5 points a game. I believe in my 10 years at Miami, that would be the best scoring average of any Miami player. Wow. 17.5. Shane Larkin averaged 15. Uh, Actually, Ryan Brown averaged like 16. Uh, Sheldon McClellan averaged around 16 or 17. So, but Isaiah's right up there. Chris Likes averaged about 15, 16. So Isaiah Wong is proven to be an outstanding scorer in the ACC. Okay, Coach, we have to take a break. Then when we come back, we'll move forward to Notre Dame. We'll talk about the Irish coming up on Sunday. Also, a couple of other notes from inside the league, and then we'll let you have your conversation with Chris Likes. But we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. As we go into this break, let me talk to you for a moment about one of my other favorite subjects, and that is Williamson Cadillac. Coach L, he drives in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade, 
I drive the XT4. It's a crossover that is absolutely stunning. Or you could excite your senses in the CT sedan series, which is dedicated to performance. Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years, and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. I'll tell you who else we put into a Williamson Cadillac. Jimmy Johnson. That's right. Jimmy Johnson, you can visit their state-of-the-art facility conveniently located US-1 and 104th Street just south of the Palmetto Expressway or view their entire lineup online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac is your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. On Sunday, the University of Miami will take on the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. 6 p.m. at the Watsco Center. We'll be on the air at 5.30. Notre Dame is number three in three-point field goal percentage. Uh, Coach Laranega is with us. Coach, we'll get to the Irish in one moment. I was asked a question yesterday before your game by the folks at Syracuse, and I hope this isn't like a broadcaster who says, uh, we got a no-hitter going into the seventh inning when there's a no-hitter but the, and, and jinx it. But the question was about your success handling the virus. The University of Miami, and I think North Carolina, the only teams that haven't been affected in the league. And I said, leadership, education, and player personal responsibility. What have you done and how proud are you of the way your program has handled the virus situation? I would say um, we keep our fingers crossed really well. (laughs) You've got to be very, very lucky. This, this, pandemic this virus is everywhere our players have been very very responsible they've been isolating they've been self-distancing uh they've been washing their hands they've been wearing their masks they've been listening they've been learning and i really like uh that we've been able to continue to practice and play what i don't like is that uh We've had very few practices where we've had our whole team because of injuries. So even though some people have had to uh, quarantine and, and stop practicing, uh, most of those teams have most of their players back when they do practice. And we've been so shorthanded. For the first time uh, the other day, uh, again, well, last night against Syracuse, We actually had nine scholarship players. All nine played. And what's important about that, Joe, is Cam Augusti was able to come back and play, but he didn't have to play 35 minutes. He played 20. He's getting himself back in shape. And I'm going to predict right now we're going to play a lot better against zone now that Cam is back. Yeah, he's he's a good shooter. He's got good size on the wing. Uh, gives you another, really, a man out there on the floor. Elijah Olani had been in double figures in about every game until last night. But uh, nonetheless, he did have five rebounds, played 29 minutes for you last night. And I thought that over the last four or five games, he was really starting to pick up his game as well. Well, again, I think if, if we can find the right combination of players, 
the right offense for them to run. Here's, here's the interesting thing, Joe, about, and you talk about it all the time, how you have to make adjustments. Uh, my two choices against a zone defense at the four, the power forward or stretch four position, are Anthony Walker and Matt Cross. Well, they both play the same position. Anthony Walker is shooting 8% from three. Matt Cross is shooting 43%. So you would say, well, you got to play Matt Cross then. Well, Anthony Walker is shooting 67% from two. So sometimes we just need to get the ball to him in the middle of the lane and he can really score. Matt Cross, on the other hand, uh, we have a hard time finding him to get the shot for him that he makes on a consistent basis. So even though he's shooting 43% from three, one of the best three-point shooting percentages in the ACC, it's not nearly as high against the zone because we often don't find him at the right time. The term we use all the time, Joe, is uh, with a pass, it needs to be on time and on target. And a lot of times with Matt, it's not on time. It's a split second late, and the defense can recover to him, and he ends up not getting the three. Anthony Walker, by the way, he's not bashful from three-point range. He's not making him at a high rate, but he's not bashful to take him. (laughs) I'm sorry, I missed that, Joe. Who? Anthony Walker, I oh, said he's Anthony he, Walker. Yeah. yeah. He, he's yeah, not bashful. <laughs> yeah. It it's one of those things that you would you would love for him to just pass up the three and get himself a little closer to the basket. Yeah. When you shoot sixty six, sixty seven percent from two, you need to get two point shots. And we've we we haven't just told Anthony never take a three, but we've told him that's not your game. Get inside. And last night, the first shot he missed was a long three-pointer. He just should have passed on it. Before we talk about Notre Dame, I think this might be worthwhile repeating to tonight's audience. And we discussed it last night on the pregame show. But you you do such a great job of communicating with your players. Can you revisit the message you gave the players the, the night before the Syracuse game? Yeah, Joe, you're normally there. This, you know, COVID has shut you out of some good team meetings the night before away games. The thing about it is we only do it for away games because home games, we, we, we meet right after practice. So it's not the same. On the road games, we're in a hotel, in a banquet room. We've got the video uh, screen. We've got the whiteboard. And I always have a message for the players. So, On Monday night, what I wanted to share with them was the understanding of what's important. So it was Martin Luther King Day. And I asked the guys if they knew who Martin Luther King was, and they did. I asked them what what was important to Martin Luther King. And they said, civil rights. I said, exactly. Exactly. It was so important to him 
that he actually gave his life for that purpose, to help Americans, to help help develop equality in our country, and to give African Americans equal opportunity. So we discussed that briefly. Then I asked them, what's important to you? What are the things in your life that's important? Nasir Brooks said giving back, giving back to the community, giving back to young kids. Sam Wardenberg said family, and everybody agreed with Sam. And then I asked them, is basketball important? They said, yeah. I said, well, how important? How many of you try to be the best player on the team every single practice? Because you can't say it's important to you if you're not willing to give it your all. If you say, well, I'm going to try hard today, and then the next day, oh, I'm a little tired. I'm not going to give much effort today. When things are important to you, I shared with the team what was important to me. I told them family is important to me, my wife, my children, my grandchildren. And then I said, and you guys are important to me. This Miami basketball program is hugely important to me. How hard you guys work are a reflection of how well I'm doing my job. So when I'm barking at you to pick up your intensity and to stay focused and to concentrate on executing the game plan, it's because that's very important to me that you guys do well. So I thought the message resonated. We talked about culture, and I told him a story about one player that I coached who turned an entire team around by setting the example of being the hardest worker and the best player on the court every practice. So it was a pretty good message, Joe, and I'm I'm hoping, you know, even though we lost last night, I'm hoping we're going to bounce back this week, play much better. Well, two things. I always think that your messages do resonate with your players. I always I always think that it's something they take with them years and years after they've played uh, for you. And we've had a chance to talk with former players, and they can always go back to some of the discussions that you've had. So I always do think – I always do believe it resonates with them and they learn. And, I, and I'm, I'm – you know, it's tough to miss those things. But uh, we move on to Notre Dame, and the Irish come in. They're going to be desperate for a win. They beat Boston College. And uh, they're not playing in the entire week. Their next game will be on Sunday as well. So they'll have a long layoff. Well, the thing about about Notre Dame is they've got a fantastic coach in Mike Bray. My guess before his career is over, uh, he'll be a Hall of Fame coach. He's been at Notre Dame for 20 years and, and has done a fantastic job. He's the winningest coach in Notre Dame basketball history. He had a, a, a very nice uh, introduction to college basketball as an assistant coach at Duke University. He learned under Mike Krzyzewski, the winningest college basketball coach in the history of the game. And he took his, his lessons and put them to good work at Delaware. And I coached against Mike Bray when he was at Delaware. He did a heck of a job. Then he got the Notre Dame job. And he just consistently has a team that is highly skilled. They are a very, very talented offensive team. They play multiple defenses. And I remember, you know, hearing Mike talk one time, 
and he was being asked what his, what his best defense was. And he said, what, whichever one is working. <laughs> <laughs> so well, um, his, his philosophy is, I'm going to play you man-to-man and try to stop you. And if I stop you, we'll just stick with the man-to-man. But if the man-to-man is not working, oh, we'll switch. We'll play some zone. If the zone was not working, okay, we'll switch to a different zone. If that's not working, we'll switch to a full-court press. He's got a lot of uh, weapons in his arsenal. He's not afraid to play multiple defenses. He has a very skilled offensive team. Nate Leshevsky is their leading scorer and one of the leading scorers in the ACC. He's also averaging 17 a game. And he's a 6'10", stretch four, that shoots the three. I hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> those guys give us fit yeah. because we don't have Sam Wardenberg, who's 6'10", and is a stretch for himself. We got to go with someone smaller. And sometimes we're forced to switch, and Leshevsky's developed a nice little low post game to go along with his three-point shooting. So we're, we're discussing as a staff how do we slow down Leshevsky? How do we attack the Notre Dame defenses, multiple defenses? Uh, but most importantly, how do we get back to sitting in a stance and shutting people down? Because our best success is when our defense is at its best. Yep, yep. Your defense was really good at home against Louisville. I suspect uh, you're going to play another great game against Notre Dame. Got a lot of games coming up here, by the way, in the next week and a half or two. So, uh, busy part of the schedule coming up starting on Sunday with Notre Dame. As always, Coach, great to speak with you. Thanks for joining us. I'll talk with you Sunday before the game. And then our show next week is on Monday night. So, we'll do this again on Monday, but I'll talk to you on Sunday prior to the game. Okay, Joe, uh, looking forward to talking to you and, and looking forward to get back on the court and hopefully with a, a still a very healthy team. Yep. Okay, very good. Thank you, Coach. That's University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega talking about University, University of Miami basketball. Canes are back at it on Sunday, 6 o'clock at the Watsco Center. We, we will be on the air at 530 with our pregame show. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.